too. Yeah, so I'm on a so I'm on a nice little four day training break right now, which is it's great. Did I, I predicted this? I predicted this last week on last week's bro chat. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, I literally said my body feels like shit, and I know I was gonna come to a uh, a training break. I ran caffeine for one day, hit a stupid amount of PRs, and the next day I had my check in with Mark, and Mark's like, "Take a four day training break." So I didn't hit. Legs. So what stemmed that, brother? I hit no legs. I didn't get my free meal, and I'm pissed. Yeah, but what caused that, or why did uh, Mark want you to take that break? It's more so, I'm just, dude, we've had, like you kind of said, when you kind of have a run, you have to take yeah. it. So I had this conversation with someone yesterday, um, recorded for the podcast. Hey, hold on. Hey, uh, just bear with me. If I'm getting mad in the wind, because I'm outside, just tell me to shut up and mute my mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Austin, welcome Austin, to our, to our, to our bro chat. Hello, hello. Um, so I think it was from, so, you know, when you have a run and you kind of take it, you just have a run of low stress and you just kind of take that stuff. Well, work started to get a little stressful the last few weeks. I started to get a lot more workload on my plate and it was just kind of mentally draining. So that accumulated with a bit less sleep kind of just in, just kind of gave a little bit of fatigue that we want to, we'd rather just, you know go ahead of time and rather take that break before before it's actually needed like there there's a point of no return when you get to that where then you had to take like a full week off rather than a few days which we've talked about before when it comes down to recovery plenty of times so anybody anybody got any other questions about my nice little four-day training break <laughs> No, yeah. I'm so bored. Feel, yeah. I'm on day three. I'm on day three right now, and I'm really freaking bored. I'm just like, I normally have the weekends off anyway, but not having legs or something about not doing legs that's just like fucking with my mind right now. I'm like, I just want to go and hit a hack squat set right now. Yeah. No, I feel you. I'm ready. I actually love mine. Mine was just so relaxing. I could have took probably uh, seven or eight days off, to be honest with you. When I had mine, yeah, that's when you know you really need it. Like if, if yeah, it, I, I, like, I honestly probably came back too soon. I even had discussion with some people too. Like, you know, I wasn't even. I didn't wash all my fatigue. I don't think either, and that's why I think I kind of complained to you guys how I felt weak as a kitten a couple of days this week. That was awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's it honestly, it's hard to gauge. You feel like you want to take like two days off, maybe three days off, but how do you really find that perfect amount? I think it's just like a trial and error thing. If you have those periods where, you know, you feel really beat up and you're like, okay, I'm probably going to err on the, the longer side here. I'd rather have someone take, you know, maybe a day or two more than they really need and then come back super fresh and everything, everything feels good to go rather than, you know, you attempt it, you cut it short. Yeah. And like, like really get that hunger and drive back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Get that absolute drive back to where it's almost like driving you nuts, but you can't go train. Yeah. I think it's like a, you know, it's also a thing like, 
people don't know, like even if you tell them to take a training break, they don't know how to take a break. So like they'll find some way to like add something in there to replace that training window. And that just that just keeps your allostatic load at the same thing. Like you're not actually decreasing fatigue at all by doing that. And it ends up leading to like you end up spending more time on your phone. You do all this jazz instead of actually like relaxing and letting your body kind of breathe. Like you're just like, you just keep punching it. So while you're taking a training break, you're not really taking a break. So I think that's where it also plays a factor in, I think Austin, that's where I agree with you, where I also like to push people on the air side. So I'll do like a, I'll do a full training cycle, which is typically four days, like four days for people, um, including that's usually including like two to three rest days in between there. So it's typically like six to seven days off, which technically gives enough time to really, to really kind of balance it out and stuff like that. Because I find if you're going to take it off, and especially if you do this, um, it could land on a day, like your first day back is going to be legs. And I'd rather your first day not be legs. So like, even if you're coming in fresh, you know, hitting legs the first day, you're just going to slam your body with so much fatigue. Whereas if you do something like a chest to shoulders or a push workout, you know, while that is going to accumulate fatigue, you're not going to accumulate near as much to the point where legs is, and you could just, you could just coast into your coast into back into your training. So I'm dying laughing right now because everything you've said for the past two minutes, Cody did verbatim the opposite of what you're saying. What did I do after my uh, deload last week? First day back? Yes. Any takers? Legs. Legs. Hell yeah. Felt like shit. Terrible training session. What I do during my, my, my uh, deload period? Move too much. Now I enjoyed it. It wasn't, it still wasn't training. You know what I mean? It wasn't killing yourself every day, but I mean, it was relaxing. Don't get me wrong, but still I ruined it. Why did I come back? Why did I feel terrible all week? This is a great lesson for the listeners. I think of what not to do, how not to be good at bodybuilding. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those, honestly, I feel like we can make so many good judgments in terms of people we work with that, and sometimes you look at the choices you make for yourself and you're like, God, what was I thinking? I, I know I'm guilty of that all the time. I'm also fairly guilty of that. Like when I make judgments for people, like, like it happens all the time. Like, you know, you got to test things out with people. You're like, oh, let's see. Let's see what 15 grams of carbs really does. Let's see what an extra, let's see what this refeed will do. And sometimes it might actually back, like you might actually have to, like you, because typically, like something like a refeed, you typically refeed with carbs for most people, but some people might respond better to fats. So you might use a fat refeed instead of a carb refeed. Um, and so you might mess that up, but you learn, you learn, and you live and you learn from it. I mean, so we'll see how I feel after this four day training break. I mean, I'm rocking the anabolic, I'm rocking the anabolic mustache now at my, at one of my favorite bodybuilders, Kuba. Um, I don't have the bald head though, so I so I think that's, I look that's a little, hilarious. So I think I look a little better, truly be honest. I thought I saw he shaved his, and uh, honestly, I'm getting sick and tired of mine. I want to get rid of mine. Maybe I'll go stash. Should I go stash? It's too hot, bro. It's too hot to, to rock a beard. I'm not rocking one, but 
It's definitely way too high. Nah, this isn't like there's barely anything there. Well, that takes me like three weeks to get. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about starting back over and see what I can get. Yeah, dude, you you have a big decision because your beard is kind of your beard's kind of crazy. Um, so crazy or like bad? What what do you think? What do you guys think? Well, hold on. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no comment. This is the decision maker. Barbara trims it up. If you could deal with the heat, roll with it. It's not even bugging me. It's 100 degrees. You're the guy that trains in thermals and long pants, so like I don't think the beard's gonna put that extra one percent on you. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Speaking of that, guess what came in this week, fellas? Look at this guy. Oh, look at this guy wearing no. Iron Rebel. Look at Moyer. He, he probably got both of those things from gift cards that he won in a giveaway. Shout out, uh, Sally Larson. Birthday present. These? Yes. It was my own birthday present, it, but more or less the $200 gift card I won from Gas. And I shared this guy's YouTube chat this week. Three articles of clothing, $207. Totally worth it. They're worth it though. I like their stuff. Their stuff <laughs> Dude, lasts, I had their the stuff lasts a long time. To truly be honest, I wore the pants this week. Amazing. Or I wore those today. Sorry, I wore those today. Training the sweat, the vintage sweatpants, the most elastic, stretchy, comfortable, the best sweatpants I've ever owned, and it, it, it was amazing. Austin's got a custom jersey. Austin's that cool kid. Yeah, well, it's you know I feel bad because I had to buy it. Like all their sponsored athletes, like they get those for free, and it's like here, here's your jersey. But I bought it, and it, I mean it's nice, but it takes away that like awe of having <laughs> that. Like you, you feel way less important knowing you had to buy it yourself. Yeah, but no one knows that. Not well, not until now. But no one knew that. No, people knew that. Like I don't. I'm not. Anyone with half a brain will know I'm not like with the Martin Fitzwaters and Keon Pearsons of the world being sponsored by Gasp. Can we talk about this? Right. Because Keon Pearson left. I, I talked about this last week on Chicago Pro, on the Chicago Pro thing, that Keon was going to leave. He, Keon he, looked he, soft, and I and I mentioned about Dorian Hamilton, and and huh, it just seems like a very good friend of the podcast is going to be handling his training and nutrition. Yeah, is it is um is David doing the prep, or is John Meadows doing the prep? I don't know who's he tagged both. I didn't, I didn't personally know, but usually if he tags both, usually that means that John's usually doing the training. Okay, that makes sense. Because, yeah, it seems, like John Florida, it seems like a Sean Clarita type um, thing where John mm-hmm. takes over his training. Like, John took over Sean Clarita's training, but Matt Jansen does his diet. Yeah. So, I think that's it. Which is a fucking smart move. Yeah, John, I think so, too. John and Dave both bring guys in absolutely peeled. So, they're the grain train dudes. So well, I, I really that's... like Dorian Hamilton's style of coaching and what he's done with some of those as well. Um, I'm not a big fan. No, I think he okay. brings in guys. I think he brings in guys way too soft. But yeah, I think he has too much sure. stuff. I think he has too much stuff going on. Yeah, with the gym, with the gym, HC subs, and coaching, it's like. I know he's a top guy, but it's like, how much time can you truly get? Yeah, I think that's a lot of problems with some some of the top name coaches. Um, they'll just take people on and don't realize how big their roster actually gets. 
Mm-hmm. Or like you said, they have other ventures, whether it's gyms, supplement companies, this and that, and their time gets so consumed that they really lack just being able to sit down and fully take things in, um, especially, and you see that a lot with, if you have guys that'll take on both pros and amateurs, they'll be able to make the time for their pros and then their amateurs get a little bit less of that time and effort. I mean, I could justify that to an extent because a lot of the time a pro protocol is going to be a lot more in depth and has a lot more writing on it. But at the same time, you still want to give a hundred percent to every client because they're paying you and they have every right to receive that service. Just whether, like you said, whether you're a pro or not. I mean, if you're with a good coach, you should be getting a very detailed protocol, no matter what. Yeah. Um, like, timing of supplements, like your nutrition in and out, like everything. It shouldn't just be numbers. If they're just throwing you numbers and giving you a basic training, um, then then it might be a problem. But that kind of brings us into, I guess, Austin, how was your first week of uh, self, of being your self-coach? Good, good. Everything's rolling. Um, weight up a little bit. Um, trying to keep that rolling, trending upward, uh, holding body comp. Uh, and then honestly, nothing had a little, little roadblock with the shoulder Thursday. Mm-hmm. I thought I blew it out and it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Thank God. Counting my blessings. Um, how many times are you going to count your blessings with your freaking shoulder, dude? This has been like dude, eight times or something. It sucks because you know, honestly, knowing what I do about PT, if it's a labral problem, if it's a minor tear of any sort, the answer is physical therapy until it's a full tear then it's surgery. So there's like no in between of what you're trying to do with it. So I've been running through my physical therapy exercises and trying to keep on that as much as I humanly can to keep everything rolling smooth and not make things worse. Yeah. But yeah, it's just that little extra attention to detail that you have to put in when you have something that's just nagging. Um, but other than that, no complaints. Um, are you doing like check? Are you when you check in with yourself? Are you running like a process like through it, or is it like? Yeah, I didn't since I wasn't. I didn't start it and have a full seven days yet, so I didn't do it. But when I did start, I did uh, skin folds and circumference measures and a set of picks. So I'll have those three to go off of. And then on my, I have a few Excel sheets where I log those. And I'll also log just the basic one to 10 scale biofeedback markers, you know, that every, pretty much every coach uses your stress levels, your digestion quality, your sleep quality, pumps, energy throughout the day, you know, all of those, as well as a a log of body weights, what my macros were, what I trained that day, what cardio I did. And it's all just a few tabs on this one big Excel document. Are you, are you kind of collecting? We're going to have our own little uh, John Judd here. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I did get uh, the circumference measures were something that I took specifically from John Uh, to give Yeah, to give myself honestly, um, oh, I was actually here too. I was listening to the podcast with Dom Kuza, and you guys talked about that. Yeah, where it gives you it gives you more of a, a completely objective measure. Yes. Um, in conjunction with the picks, not that the picks don't have their place, because all in all, that's 
our sport and that's what we need to see. But if we're able to combine how we perceive the picks with skin folds and um, circumference measures as well, you know, it's just, it's just more data to go off of. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great way. I've been doing it basically with everyone lately, close to everyone. Um, If we're not looking like if our goals are specifically like physique goals at the time, then we start to implement that in um, to make sure that things are going at the right pace that we want them to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But so like you can see, like I have a general lifestyle guy and all his things around his navel are going down. And while the picks, the picks might not show that like directly, it's kind of hard. Some days it's kind of hard because you never know with lifestyle people, how they wake up, how their stress is and stuff like that. But if you can get like a general trend of things so far over the past four weeks of measurements, we've seen, we've seen his numbers around his, around his navel above below and at his navel start to go downward, which just shows that, I mean, if your numbers in your arms and your legs and stuff like that are either increasing or they're staying relatively the same, um, there's always some human error in it, um, of course, um, but that's why you get myotape. Um, so you can kind of decrease that error as much as you can. Um, then, you know, he's losing fat, like he's losing by, like he's starting to lose the belly fat off of him. It might be slow, but you know, if it goes down at any rate, it's, it's great. That along with, Hey, seeing what your average weight is, if your average weight's down like a half pound, like that's like, that's great. Like, so it just gives you a sign of like, it gives you a more sign of hey, we don't have to go at like this absorbent rate to grow too. Because I feel like a lot of people want to push things way too quickly. And if you start to see your centimeter, like at least you should be measuring in centimeters. You can measure in inches if you want, up to you, how you want to do it. I think centimeters are a bit better. Um, but if you continue to able to kind of see those measurements continue to go up, why do you push food? Like it might not seem like they're changing, but just wait, give it like two to three months and if they continually keep adding centimeters onto onto their body parts, you're gonna you're gonna see a difference in a few months, because eventually you look at someone, and you've looked at them for so long, that it's like, okay, what are we actually? What are we? You kind of get that, like you get that subjective view. Exactly, and yeah, and especially yeah. if you're not doing anything drastic. So, like, say you're in a period where you're trying to hold weight and you're recomping essentially. Um, when you get the picks, they're not going to look all that different. I mean, you have to have a really good eye to see the week to week. You'll notice some things here and there, but like you said, if you're able to actually look at the trends and the circumference measurements, that's going to paint a much bigger picture than the, the picks coming from week to week. Yes. I think those are, I think that's just becoming the craze now because apparently a ton of coaches are starting to get on measurements and I think it is, it is from Jewett. And gifted performance, I think both of those guys, both of those, the, like both those teams have really put it forward in many cases. And I think they've done a great job in doing that because it's aided us coaches so much in making, in making the right decisions towards what we need to do. Well, we couldn't go off Cody's biceps in that dimension because they would just never grow. <laughs> I mean, you just train them better, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Let's get, to, let's get into our topic. Um, Hit it. So our topic today is... Is why Bumblebee Tuna over Albuquerque? I'm joking. Sorry. I had to I, say it. I haven't had tuna. I had tuna. 
So for the first like first like 10 months of working with Mark, I think I had tuna every single day. I'm surprised I didn't get mercury poisoning. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, so actually our topic is how to start a contest prep, diet, cardio, etc. Um, Man, that's a great topic. Who sent that one? I'm not. I'm not an expert on contest prep, nor have I contest prepped anybody. Um, so I Bingo. honestly am going to be the least person you're going to want to ask when it comes to this. Um, I have some knowledge, of course, um, but I am not going to be the the gatekeeper of this conversation. Um, I'm going to let that go to Austin's. Basically, going to be like. <laughs> yeah, the owner I, I, I just thought it would be a, a you know just a spitballing. And I just thought it'd be something good to just even talk about in a roundtable no, discussion. Because it doesn't have to people... go anywhere. Just like, hey, like, what, what do we, what have you started with? What do you start with? Uh, what are some implementations? Yeah, go ahead and get into it. So, like, um, no, sorry, I was just rambling there, but I don't know. Like, so a couple things I wanted to go from like some guys. Um, well, let's start with the last phase of the off season. So, Austin, question. Do you, you know, like the last week of off season, you see some guys just like either kind of go stupid with the diet and just like push a little bit harder for that last week of off season because they know what's coming or are you one who have just like just got into the diet phase? So I guess start with like your last um, couple of weeks of off season where you know you're going to go into a diet phase. What does that look like? Gotcha. Yeah. So number one, I'll preface it. This is why if I do have someone with the intent of competing, I'd rather have worked with them in the off season before you get into the prep. Um, that's not always going to be the case. A lot of people just hire you for prep and that's okay. But I think the 100% best option is having the off season handled. So then you could control those variables. So um, as far as the well, last, before you go, before you go, go on, I think any more, and just kind of what I think and what a lot of other coaches preach, a lot of people won't even take you on or prep you. They don't like you at all unless they've had you for a good off season. Yeah, and I think that's I, like, I still bet a lot of not even like, you, you're, you're right, but preference, just like you say. And yeah, I would yeah. even for myself, I would totally want someone to figure me out in the off season. For sure. So that way we don't kill and crash your body right away and prep. And then you have like no strings to pull when you're like getting down to the, like the last six weeks, let's say you just have no card left to play because you've just ran everything dry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think with the, a lot of what we'll talk about, I think you can probably jump into a prep with a coach granted your off season. If you did do it on your own, you did it was, well. was handled well. Yeah. yeah. If it wasn't handled well, it's going to be a dumpster fire from the start. Um, but with the last week and that last little bit of the off season, as far as going crazy and pushing food, absolutely not. I don't think there's any need to do it. Um, you are probably going to be at a point where if you were continually pushing food for that long period of time, you might have some biofeedback markers that are a little bit skewed the way it is. You know, your breasting BG might be high, um, depending on how your training's going, which I would assume be going Hopefully as not. smooth as it does year as it could all year because the food's high anyone who's trained in a prolonged deficit knows that training sucks when you're when you're dieting so if your off-season training still sucks your training your your 
dieting training is going to be even worse. Um, so I don't think there's any need. I do like if you do have a date where you're setting, okay, okay, we're starting this prep here at the 16 week out mark, the 18 week out mark, 20 weeks, whatever it may be. Um, I think maybe a, a refeed meal, you might not even call it that. You might just call it an off plan meal um, to set your mind right. Be like, okay, let's kick this off well. But other than that, it shouldn't be anything more than a meal. Um, if you're able to <laughs> sit down with the friends and sit down with the friends and family and be like, okay, here we go. This is the, uh, this is the big effort for the next uh, 20 weeks or whatever it may be. Bear with me because I'm going to get nasty. So do it that way. But I don't think there's a need to go crazy because like I said, you're going to be at a point where your condition is going to be at the worst. Um, granted, that's a subjective term and it's all perspective. It's going to be, it's not going to be bad if you handle your off season well, yeah. but you're only going to get leaner from there. So I wouldn't go ahead and push it. Yeah. Actually, what I actually like to do whenever I start anybody in a diet phase um, is I actually like to, there's a few things you can go with this. Number one, I, I'm a fan of keeping in three days of cardio usually during, during off season. Um, I'll honestly pull cardio right out of the, right out like the last month or so. I got this from John Gorman and um, Jason Theobald. I think they both touched upon this in their podcast that they ran one to him. Um, and, you know, I take that out for the last month of the off season to really desensitize their body to that, to that cardio. Even if it's just like three times, 20 minutes of bliss, you know, if you could take that out and create that new adaptation when you're going to have to go into prep great because it's going to give you more tools in the toolbox to use um i'm also a big fan of during that last month i really do like to pull i actually like to pull back calories slightly um and i like to hold and i like to hold my guys at at that weight like so because you really want to you don't want to go right in and gain all this weight and then just be like, okay, we're going to pull it. Like, yeah. what is that? You do? see that all the time. You're going you to lose, lose the first five pounds. Uh, it's going to come off pretty damn quickly because it's all just water. Exactly. Like, like you have people with an off season weight goal. They're like, I need to hit 200 pounds or whatever it may be. And they hold it for two days. And what's good, what good comes of that? Because like you said, the second you start that contest prep diet falls right off. It's going to yeah. be water and stomach contents. I even do that. I even do it for mini cuts too. I actually sometimes like to do, like to use a little maintenance phase just prior to it. And then just, just like absolutely deplete the fuck out of them. Like I'll just shoot. So many people don't get aggressive enough with a mini cut. They're like, ah, eight weeks. They're like, ah, that's good. No, I'm going to deplete most of your car. I'm going to actually take away like, like, a good amount of your car, like 50% of your carbs probably from your diet. So I can get you down like 12 pounds in like five weeks. Like I want to be in and out. Um, but I like to maintain that weight. So they're not also just dropping that off right away too, when it comes down to the mini cut. Um, so I find a maintenance phase is necessary. It's not, uh, it's not an option when it comes down to now contest prep, of course is different. But, you know, you may, we maintain all the time. You can maintain weight and continually, like you talked about body recomp right there. So if you maintain, you put your body 
you've maintained for a month and you just train really hard and you continually progressing in the gym, you not only will that maintenance phase also sure up digestion, it's going to, when you sure up digestion, it's going to cause your thyroid to be in a good place. Um, you're going to just, you're really going to start kickstarting everything again at that new body weight, which is just going to be way better for you heading into it. Because when you drop those calories down after that maintenance phase, your body's going to, it's going to lose, it's going to do what it needs to do. Um, whereas, you know, you'd rather be in a great place with better biofeedback than be in that top, top pushing food off season um, area. And you feel like shit. Because if you feel like shit going into your prep, even though, like Austin said, this is probably going to be the worst your body comp's going to be, like, it's, it still sucks. Like, when you get to the top of, when you get to the top of offseason, and when you get in, when you're in prep, like, both of those times suck. Like, no matter what you're in, it's going to suck. You're either force-feeding food, or you're starving. It's one or the other, and they both, they both play a role, but you have to push that food enough in the offseason to get to that point where you can maintain on higher amounts of food. Um, but yeah, so I start with, uh, I always start every single, every single phase with every single fat loss phase with a, with a four week maintenance pull cardio type type thing where I kind of take all the reins of adaptation out of it and sure up everything that we can before heading into it. Yeah. That's going to be a theme that you're going to see throughout it with all the different elements of contest prep, keep tools in the toolbox. Don't throw everything at once. If you can, especially early enough, if you can manipulate one variable at a time, you're going to have a lot of success because so you can actually see what's dictating the change. Yeah. Now, now where do you, where do you like to go directly first? Are you a, Hey, let's add in. I, I don't know. Because I've, there's always different ways different people go. Some people like to add in the cardio right off the bat. Some people just like to drop the calories. Like, and it also depends. We also like to say this also depends whether you are um, enhanced or not enhanced. Um, that plays a big role because no matter what, if you're not enhanced, you're going to have to take calories pretty dang low. Like, it's just going to it's gonna suck. Um, there's a level of suffer you're going to have to go through uh, because you don't have you don't have, as we just like to say, you don't have as many tools in the toolbox to get the look you're going to want to get on stage. Um, so also, where do you typically like to, where do you like to start first when you, when you look at, because everything around us of reply, responds to energy expenditure. So yeah. where do you like to take first for energy? So if we, if I had a client that had, if we were doing it in your case, where you did pull the cardio, I'd add it back. Especially if someone is enhanced, you always want to have some cardio in just for heart health. And then if you could get some calorie burn, which you will from that, do that. If it is someone that's doing a moderate amount of cardio to begin with, like I've never actually pulled someone's cardio completely out. I've had people with very low cardio, um, but I've never had someone with it completely gone. Uh, so in that case, if they're doing a moderate amount of cardio, it'll be a slight diet reduction. Um, and, and I mean, very slight, like you said, even if you are at that peak off season and you get somewhere, get someone around maintenance, you're still going to see a response. I won't do it too aggressively, depending on where they're at body comp wise, where they start their prep. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to over pull deplete someone at 18 weeks out. You still want, you still at that point, 
in my opinion, should be pushing training really, really hard. And I think that's a lot of the time where that early stage contest prep is some of the best training you'll have year round. Because like you said, you're in that in between that in that in between phase between peak off season where you probably feel like crap because you're fatigued, you're always full and you're force feeding. And when you're really starting to cut down heavily for the major fat loss that comes at the end stages of prep. So that's when you're, when your training is going to be really good. And if you're able to maximize that really good training, really good muscle retention and just keep rolling with that. Yeah. I think you're directly correct on that one. Um, I think it's, I think that's a, I think a lot of people don't understand too, when you, when you start to diet and I see this all the time with people, when they start to lose weight and stuff like that, they're like, man, I feel so much better. And I was like, well, I mean, some people eat more, but you know, they get stronger going into it because they feel more, you know, when you're at those high calories, like we said, like when you're at the highest point, you're, you're going to feel that brain fog. Like you're going to feel that lethargic feeling. And when you take some calories away, and like I said, when you sure up, when you sure up that digestion and everything, of course, it's going to be pumping away. Like you're going to, when your digestion shores up, that's a great thing. That's exactly what you want. Because like I said, everything kind of interconnects within the gut. The gut's kind of the first point there. Um, so Yeah. So I just want to interject there. That's kind of funny because like when Mark and I pushed that really, really high calorie period and then we pulled back food to go in a health phase, the first couple of weeks I felt amazing in the gym and training was amazing because you're not bogged down by all that food. I think that's also why people, you know, when you grow, I've seen – I've seen it actually happen where you pull back food and someone starts to grow a bit better because That's they sure because they shirt up the digestion. That like, literally happened to me once I had COVID. Yeah, right. Like you probably like, like you're you're gaining on less now, right? Exactly. When I had COVID, I I were I gained and surpassed my weight that I was previously at on three hundred gram less carb a day. Exactly. <laughs> And on, on, are, on a high day. And people are going to be like, oh, doesn't, isn't that like the wrong thing to do? Because like you're losing that, you're losing that 1200 calories. It's like, no, you go off the biofeedback of the person. It's like, if the person feels like shit on 1200 extra calories and they feel lethargic, why would you waste that? Why would you waste that time being there when you could gain at a slightly slower rate? I bet you're actually gaining at a, at a, at the same rate, most likely. And people are going to be like, doesn't that mean his, doesn't that mean his metabolism downregulated? No, it's just like he, he actually kickstarted it to a better place. Yeah. And if you have that extra 1200 calories in that extent, it's why would you push it more? Because you would say, oh, he's gaining at this rate. Well, where else is it going to go? It might be stored as fat. It actually is likely to be stored as fat. Yes. So why try to rush that process and just create more work for yourself? Yeah. So, so I always like to add in a bit cardio first. Um, I actually, sometimes most times I might even actually just increase steps with people. Um, so even if, so sometimes I do like to play around with that maintenance phase. So sometimes even if I don't want to take out cardio directly, like you said, like you always like to keep it in, what I'll do is I'll actually reduce the amount of meat that they're doing. So they'll still get the cardio in, but if you take that meat away, I mean, neat, neat covers a huge percentage of what you're doing. 
So it's like, if you take their steps away and you make it like, you cut down from like 10 to like five, it's like, you're taking a big chunk out. And then when you bring that up back up to like, Hey, in prep to start, it starts at like 11. You're adding 6,000 steps a day in back in. You're going to also just start to lower that. You're going to start to actually lower or increase the amount of fat loss. And you're also going to increase your insulin sensitivity during the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, that's definitely an option. And you see people that will do, um, this is another do it tactic that he was talking about for Indy. He just used meat the entire time without, yeah, without actually writing a formal cardio. Like he was doing a cardio session in the morning, but he just chalked it all out up to a step count. That's something you can do. I don't do it that way. Um, The way I do it is I have a formal cardio session in Mm -hmm. that I require a heart rate, a calorie burn, a method. So whether it's elliptical, stairmaster, bike, incline, treadmill, whatever it may be for a duration of time. And then I do give step counts where that's your daily total, but it doesn't include your cardio steps. Yep. So you could be getting an extra 10 K like, like in reality, you could be getting an extra 5k. So you really could be getting 15,000 steps. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. It, just, it you, honestly depends on how you track it. Yeah. Right. I, it's just how you track it. And I think a lot. So like, how does Mark want, want you training your knee, um, Spada. So I, I do it that exact same way. I mean, I've been off cardio for like, True. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've been, been off, off cardio. I've been off cardio since like, I think it's been like a year or something. Um, we of course put it in right away. I was like five times 20 minutes when we started to really yeah. increase that insulin sensitivity and really right. kind of get the metabolism kind of pumping. Um, it really made me, it really made me starving, truly be honest, like just five times, 20 minutes. Like people think you need to go to these extremes of an hour cardio, like right away. You can literally do like three times, three to four, or even just bump it. Like, like also said, he doesn't take out cardio. You can easily make it four times, 20 sessions. And you know what you do to even make it a little better. People are probably going to be like, Oh my God, you, you said this, make it fast. It do it in the morning, like do fasted cardio before you do it. If not, it's so it's so mental. I've, we talked on this in the podcast before. It's so good for my brain just to get me rolling in the morning. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel, I, I felt great doing it. I would always put on a train by JP video to truly be honest while I was doing it. I'm probably going to end up, even though my apartment gym has my apartment has like, it's like two feet away. It's like, it's like literally like right down there. Um, I probably will end up like buying my own bike just in my apartment. And just like doing my own cardio. <laughs> there you go. Cause your boy, your boy just wants to put on train by JP on his, uh, on his big screen and just enjoy. That's how you gotta do it. Um, Any other questions, Cody, you have some good ones brewed up. Um, like questions on this topic. Yeah. Yeah. You kickstarted it with that one. That was a good one. Okay. Um, well, here's a cool one. So this is kind of stemming off that. So what do you guys, so on the cardio topic, so what do you guys think of a uh, hit in the off season to keep your, uh, you know, how Cuba's talking about doing that now. There's a couple other guys talking about implementing hit like two times a week. Faster pace. Um, you guys help me out. 
Um, you cut out. You cut out like half of that. So we like, you cut out like half of that. Do you wanna? Do you got good signal now? <laughs> no. Did we lose? You? I think. I, I think I know what he was saying. I think I know. What I don't. I don't know. I don't to. know to the fullest extent, but, but I, think I think I, I can answer it. Yeah. You guys hear me now? Slightly. Uh, I think you we know what you're me? asking. You're t- you're talking about utilizing hit in the off season, correct? Yeah, how um, like Kuba talking about implementing it. There's a couple other guys that like to implement just to keep their work capacity up, so they aren't getting so lethargic. I mean, that's another great way of like like we said, kind of increasing that fitness to where you feel better. Because we all know, we also come to the fitness level. Like when you're pushing heavy weights, like and you got to go to those back offsets where, you know, especially on leg press or something like that. When if you're doing like a widow maker or something, you're gonna succumb to more like cardio fatigue than you will directly from physical fatigue eventually um so like when you're able to get more continuous reps of course that's more mechanical tension on the body greater thing um i've seen i've seen jeff black talk about hit using hit um i want to be opposed it depends it honestly is so dependent on the person with hit like if you have someone who you know you see these people implement hit and they have they have some of the least stressful jobs in the world or they're able to keep their stress like their allostatic load is so it takes it it has to be so high to get to that point of not recovering that you can push it like if someone's able to manage their stress perfectly nor i would actually i'm actually a fan of it the more i look into it great it keeps your insulin sensitivity there which is the whole purpose of an off season like you want to maintain, you want to maintain that solid uh, upper seventies, eighties in in off season. I'm okay with going higher eighties in the off season. Is it particularly great? No, but is it better than being in the nineties all the time? Absolutely. Um, I'd rather you be like eighty seven or below. A lot of eighty five is more optimal, but I like to push it to that higher eighties if I can't. Like sometimes you might have to. Um, so I've seen it, I've seen it work wonders for insulin sensitivity purposes. Um, so, but it all depends upon the person's recovery and their stress management. If you're going to be stressed out all the time and you're barely, and like you can't even handle like a single change thing, it's going to do you even worse. You're just going to ramp up cortisol. That's very true. If you're already training hard as hell in the gym, you don't need to probably like be doing it and taxing yourself again. But it depends how much you're doing. Like JP was doing it, you know, there for a while. Him and Corin. Yeah, yeah, but like you, I mean, I'm not gonna take away from them because they own, they own massive businesses, um, and they're very busy people. But he has everything so dialed in to like to a T. Like he has the best quality foods. Like they talked about this the other day on on whatever their podcast on Fuad's podcast about how he's getting so strong or how he's maintaining his strength. I think, I think when you're so dialed in for so many years to that extent, and you know when you're, and his and his stress awareness, he knows when his body is feeling it and when he's not. A lot of people aren't made that way. Like, they don't know those things. So, I think that's one case where, hey, you know, that's like the example that I just gave, where it's more like 
they're in such control of themselves and the environment around them that nothing really purely stresses them out um, to a point where they can't recover. Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. Like I said, the biggest thing I think why you would implement it is going to be the aerobic capacity. If you feel your gas down in your back offsets, which can happen, especially to bigger bodybuilders, it's a smart idea as long as it's within your recovery capabilities. If you're overdoing it, it's like you said, it's just going to turn into a negative rather than a positive at that point. If it's really an insulin sensitivity thing, but it's wrecking your entire training split because of it, it's not worth that trade off. No. And I think it's also like dependent too on how long you want to go. Like you don't even have to do that many. You could do like eight intervals. You could be in and out in eight, in eight minutes. Like people think it has to be like 20, 30 minutes. I don't get where this. It shouldn't. If it if it's really hit, it should not be that. Really, should not. It should be. I am at the believer. It's a max of max of twelve to fifteen minutes. A max. I think. I think you can get in and out in ten minutes. And people are like, "Oh, that sounds so much better than less." Yeah, but the recovery capability of the two plays a huge factor in it. But you should be able to, if you're in peak off season you should be able to recover from that if you have your stuff nailed down. So I could see a benefit from it. It's just so person dependent on it, but I think it has, it has great benefit when you need, when, if you need to do it. That answer your question, Cody. He's on mute. Look at this guy. He's not even, he's not even ready. Um, yeah, no, that answers my question. Sorry. I had to get over my phone. Here. <laughs> um, now also the diet setup. I mean, this is particularly on a person. Um, also, do you like to change anything when it comes to the way you structure anything? Like, where do you – do you like to typically take away from carbs first? Um, are you – I mean, it's so person-dependent too because you could push higher fats with some people. Um, but where do yeah. you typically, where do you typically um, like to go diet start range? So depending on where they are. Um, I do like to have fats at a decent level, nothing too crazy, maybe like 0.5 ish grams per pound of body weight is a, is a good number that I have found. So in that case, let's say we have some of those 200 pounds fats at hundred grams per day when they start carbs or wherever. In that case, I would probably drop their fats a little bit to start and also drop their carbs a little bit, depending on, again, it's hard to make the call how much they actually need to exactly. reduce. Um, but I think fats, you could pull them down a little bit more down to like that 0.4 and you could take fats really low, um, especially with enhanced athletes yes. that have hormonal controls in place. Um, I'll definitely also pull fats for males lower than I'll pull down fats for females in prep again, hormonally, just to make sure we're not causing a cascade of issues there. Um, but as far as pulling the carbs, always just like you are in the off season, maximize the training window. If you, which you will, if you'll have carbs to pull from meals throughout the day, pull from those first before you touch the pre intra and post meals. Now, do you like to, now do you like to, add in more fruit sources and stuff like that during those pre intro, like pre and post meals. Yeah, you counter, can. It's kind of counteract. Cause the one thing I've always thought about is, Hey, what do you do with the fiber amount? 
It's like I could pull, I could pull like, like when you're thinking about someone who's going to compete, you're you're most likely going to have between like sixty five, like close to seventy percent around. I would say on average seventy seventy five percent of their carbs is going to be around their their peri workout. Um, now you think about what do you have peri work peri workout? You have a ton of simple carbs, not a ton of fiber, um, not a ton of things. Um, I know fiber amount plays a huge role in digestion, stuff like that. So what do you do to kind of keep up that fiber amount um, in, in prep individuals? I think, I think people shouldn't have a problem with fiber and prep, especially as you get lower or lower body fat, deeper into prep, because you'll get to that point where you'll start reducing and then you'll be like, okay, here comes the hunger. So what do you do? You're going to switch carb sources for more fibrous options. You're going to have more green vegetables throughout the day to hit your fiber intake. And like you said, you can implement more fruits around the workout as again, as long as you're not overly over to where a point where you're bloated mid session. Uh, But I think you'd really have to take it to an extreme to get people. You'd have to have like, you'd have to have honestly like 20 grams of like, I would have to say like, you'd have to have maybe like 15 grams of fiber in that, in that meal. Yes. That's probably, I usually do like right now, a sweet spot for a lot of people is like 80 to a hundred ish grams of berries. You would probably to hit 15 grams of fiber. Wouldn't that be like 300 grams of berries? Like that's astronomical. (laughs) It might even be more than that. Yeah. It's it's a real lot. Like I would never. Yeah. 15 grams. Yeah. 15 to hit 15 grams of fiber. Yeah. yeah, something like three. Yeah, something like three hundred grams. Like of three times that. Yeah, no yeah, way. It's it's you're not getting anywhere to that point. But I find what about yeah, what about like ahead. hitting fiber lives morning p.m. You could do that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like I said, I, 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 I think never had a problem. Then. But I know as you as you lower your calories anyway, the fiber amount's going to go down. The the amount that you require is going to go down. I've always just wondered especially when you take things. Um, honestly, the last two things I take from is actually my pre and the intra. Like if you're going to take one, if you're going to, when you have to start taking things away, like make it like, you're going to have to take what I would do is, especially cause I push intra pretty high for a lot of people. What I might do is I might take some carbs from intra and put it in the post-workout. So it's kind of more, so it kind of becomes a more evenly balanced type thing. Um, but the two things that people, the two meals that people should not be sacrificing during that whole thing is the pre and intro. Um, yeah, because I would agree. I'd rather have the calories to train off of and then have the calories. Yeah. To reco- you're going to recover. If you have your fats at a good place, you're going to recover. Yeah. I'd rather suffer a little bit post-workout and eat protein veg or something. If you're like deep in a diet, than like have a bowl of amount of carbs. Just, just eat a muffin. <laughs> just <Yeah>. eat a muffin. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, I like to take, I of course like to keep those micronutrients in. Um, absolutely. So I like to take a bit of sources away from a little less rice sources, put like a bit more berries in there. Um, maybe use like apple or something like that, um, dependent upon how they digest things. Um, you know, it still gives them, gives them that little sweet kick to things. Um, where were we in this? Oh yeah. Also protein. Do you like to, I mean, you keep protein pretty high as it is. 
Um, so do you even you even fuck with protein, like in the whole thing? Usually, no. I think you can justify. I think the research says this is probably a Lane Norton post somewhere that you could up it by like ten percent. Yeah. Um, but like you said, my protein is usually high enough year round to where you won't really need to do that. But at the same time, you can. I mean, again, I think oh, it was. I had a Q and A about this. Yeah, still, you, that's that's why I asked I still, you this because I saw. Yeah, it I still forget who posted it. Who Cause posted someone, the Because someone asked about, do you change it? I forget what the question was. Oh, that, was. and then if protein is protein is the most likely or least yeah, likely. It's not. It's not going to get stored. Macro exactly. So if you do increase it, you're not going to run into an issue. Yeah, the only issue you're going to run into is if you cause gluconeogenesis. <laughs> Which again, you probably will to an extent, but I think it's so negligible that. Yeah, unless you're when you're in an extreme deficit, it's not going to cause problems. Unless you're really insulin, unless you have a really bad insulin issue, um, then it might be then it might be a problem with pushing. Which, if you again, if you have a really bad insulin issue, you probably shouldn't be undertaking a contest prep (laughs) and getting that addressed first. Yeah, always address, and I think that's the next that's the next thing I want to bring up too. Um, In that maintenance phase, I get blood work done. I. You can't go into a contest prep without getting blood work done to know where you're at. You know, you know what's going to happen, especially if you're enhanced and if you're not enhanced. If you're not enhanced, it's going to look a lot worse. I could tell you, I could tell you that because you don't have, you don't have thyroid to play with, you don't have testosterone to play with, you don't have all these cosmetic things to play with. Like, to truly be on, like the biggest things that take a hit during for enhanced people is the liver and the kidney because your kidney is just going to be trying to get that water out. It's going to be a miserable process, especially if you use diuretics at the end, but that's a different discussion. Um, but you know, those are the, those are the two that are going to take a hit in terms of enhanced. If you're talking about natural, you're getting hit from everywhere. Your sex hormones are downregulating. Your thyroid's going to downregulate. Basically everything's going to get hit and it's more so, managing that through refeeds and stuff like that to keep to keep those proper but always get blood work done so in case you do have an underlying issue hey you have to fix this because you got to delay prep until you until your body is an optimal point like that's the whole point that's the whole point like i said of the maintenance phase is to sure up digestion because you don't want to go into prep two with fucked up digestion like that's a that's a case of you're not going to be absorbing the nutrients and it's just going to get worse for you because you're just going to have to pull down food even farther, which you don't want to do. Yeah, definitely get the bloods. Like you said, hormonally for naturals, it's a disaster, especially coming out. You, you could see a lot of skewed blood work. Did you get it done for Max? He's getting it this week. Okay. I know it was a little delayed. I don't know if he went through his physician or went privately, but he's getting it this week. Um, so we'll look at that. I'm interested to see, like you said, the hormone side of things. I don't think anything would be crazy. I mean, you rebound you, you guys, you guys did reverse die pretty right. Yeah. He's, he's only up. I think he's eight weeks post show. Now he's only up from stage weight, maybe 12 pounds for a natural person. It's pretty good. Everybody talks about, Oh, I'm only up like six pounds. It's like, okay. 
It's yeah. It's like, you're not gonna balloon up 50 pounds. No, unless you, <laughs> unless you, unless you eat everything in sight, and you shouldn't do or that. Or you should. You shouldn't balloon up. 50 do pounds. not. Do not do that. You're gonna cause a freaking heart attack. Yeah. Um, you great. Legit, you, little pitting edema. We just talked about. We just talked about blood work, and like we said, your kidneys and your liver are fucked at the end of prep. If you decide to do a bunch of things, you're putting a lot of pressure on your kidneys and your liver as if they weren't already in enough pressure as it is, um, you're just going to cause a lot worse. So I'm actually excited to see that. Maybe, maybe, yeah, we'll, yeah, I wanna, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do a little sharing on that. I've on had the uh, this, this past week, I analyzed so much blood work. It was insane. I was like, it I'm just, the same thing. yeah, it just kept coming to me. I was like, fine. I like it. I'll do it. Oh, dude. It's so fun. You're just like, ah, oh, what are these? What are these mix and match? You're like, ah, oh, what do you have? And then you find the root cause and you're like, yeah and it's at sometimes you look at it and you're like oh my god mm-hmm. it's a realization <laughs> you know to kind of point off it's a realization for a lot of people like that's like yeah. that's like the killer i find is like that really shows it like when you're as a coach and you try to tell someone hey your biofeedback's not turning in the right direction and they don't want to listen you're just like okay let's get blood work done let's just see and the blood work doesn't lie <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like it does not lie. So if your body is telling you no, and you decide to keep pushing, we can get blood work done. And then you can listen to your coach, which you should have been doing for however many weeks beforehand. Um, but it's amazing. It's kind of crazy what today's society has done in terms for blood work. Um, stupid amounts. Um, actually, I would say um, to the point where everybody's DHEA shot cortisol's risen um liver enzymes are off hdl and ldl are off i mean we i talked about this on the alan Cress episode and it's like we talked about metabolic syndrome it's more and more often like yeah it's 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 crazy yeah even hormones like the one panel i could eh, i could release this i'm not a doctor this isn't hipaa uh the testosterone levels total were 19 and it was induced from pro hormones. Uh-huh. I, was, I was not surprised in the least bit. Wow, SARMs and pro hormones. It's like it's like it's a crazy thing, man. How many times do we have to say this? It don't take those. <laughs> do not take those. We did a whole episode on those with Dave D. Mesquita. If you want, I to listened to that and it was funny. I honestly think I got got the blood work texted to me while I was listening to that episode, and I was <laughs> like, oh no, here we go. Yeah. It's, it's, dude, I mean, I've seen it too. So it's like, you know, you just, you, you have to play your cards. You have to be safe. And this is where finding a good coach who will run blood work is very, very necessary. Um, and who knows how to actually analyze it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a big thing yeah. with us people. And I will say us coaches as a, we are a target by the medical industry for not knowing our shit, but we for some reason solve problems that they haven't been able to solve because they just throw they just throw things at people it's okay um not okay but you know whatever yeah it's whatever but oh my god yeah bad so so i think there's a few things you need to do so like we said before prep you really have to you know do separate things some people have different phases i know austin's kind of we talked about it but you have to hold you have to hold your weight like you can't just go into it just decreasing your weight 
um, sure up any digestion, sure up any other issues that you have. Um, you know, make sure that you you play around. You use that last month to kind of don't go don't go off the rails in that last month of off season and put your body comp in a worse position than it was, um, because it's just gonna it's just gonna hinder your calorie intake in the end. Um, and yeah, the first you don't have to do too much to start. I think so many people go to drastic measures of moving cardio up to six days a week or seven days a week. And you really don't need that much to kickstart the fat loss process. You just need to be smart with it. Um, and hire a good coach in the off season. Honestly, that's going to pay you off way better. Anything, anything you want to leave the folks with Austin? No, I think that was good. I mean, we didn't even get into like the nitty gritty, the end stages of prep. Um, but we'll yeah, do we'll do that. We'll do that. How about we do? How about we do? We got into we got into prep this time. Intro to contest prep or early go. contest prep. Early contest prep, um, and then maybe we'll do a in contest prep. And I say we pause it here, and then like the next one could be like when you're getting down to the nitty gritty, how to flip gear. Oh, what carbs to pull, when to pull them. Does that make sense? Think a lot of people that's cool that's like making me excited <laughs> awesome well, well we'll touch on that next time um for anybody who listened and got through this and enjoyed this um number one share on your instagram story um share it with a friend um a ton of people are getting value from these episodes so we appreciate it so share it out there um subscribe to the podcast leave a five-star rating and review um go follow cody and austin on instagram um, their Instagram handles are down below. Mine is also down there. I mean, if you want to follow me, I'm hoping you follow me at this point, just because I am. I've been doing this for almost two years now, so I hope you guys have followed me on Instagram. Um, if you haven't, definitely go do that um, because it's a. And if you also starting to put out educational content too, um, so if you really want to learn, go to both of our pages, um, no doubt. Um, but yeah. Next time we'll get into the nitty gritty of contest prep near the end and how we get, how we get people out of it. Of course, I, like I said, do not take my view for everything. I'd rather you guys listen to what Austin has to say um, because Austin's done it. I've only, I can only say so much because I don't have anecdotal evidence for it. Um, I only know, Hey, this is what I plan on doing, but. Yeah. But everything you said lines up. It's one of those where, you know, uh, I always say if people like us get the imposter syndrome and want to overanalyze everything, do I really know this? Trust your, trust your instincts because yeah. a lot of the time, if you know the principle behind something, you can apply it. There's yes. going to be small deviations from person to person, but that's the, that little 1% that you really just need to gain from working with people. But if the principle's in order, you're good to go. Yes, sir. All right. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of Chatting with Bros Contest Prep Edition. Oh, I gotta.